years to embrace that like I can kill myself trying to get to the bottom of my piles and even if I do even if I killed myself to get to the bottom of my piles tomorrow there'll be more piles it's fine the emails can wait you do not have to check them the second your eyes pop open in the morning hey there my name's Ashley Church and I'm Erin West We were once newly promoted crime scene and latent print supervisors on mutual struggle buses as we both simultaneously tried to navigate through the challenges within our forensic units. Now we run a business where we create tools and resources that we wish we had had to make these transitions easier. We like to talk about the experiences we've had in the forensic field, the good, the bad, and the ugly, in the hopes to create awareness around these issues and move the needle forward to create positive change in the forensic community. So if you're a forensic professional, regardless of your years of experience, who's not afraid to dive into real, raw, and sometimes uncomfortable topics, you're in the right place. This is the Forensics Unfiltered Podcast. Hey, welcome. This is another episode of Taboo Topics. This is the first time you've ever joined us for Taboo Topics. We focus on conversations that are maybe not had as much as they should be in the forensic field. And we just kind of want to bring that stuff to light. So tonight we'll be talking all about effects that the job can have on work-life balance or like how it can affect your family as well. I don't even have like a set agenda of what we'll be discussing. So it's just going to be completely ad-lib tonight. Where should we start? What's that? (laughs) So where should we start? Maybe we'll start on like family. Because I think some of the stuff like effects of the job, we, we got into it a little bit last week when we talked about burnout. So I think if we dive into like family stuff, I think that'd be good. Family stuff. (laughs) So for the most part, I have like supportive family and a supportive husband, especially like they were very gracious whenever I would have to give up a lot of my time or, you know, I was very limited on where I can travel just from being like that on-call life. Whereas I don't think some people get that type of support as much. I um I married into the, the law enforcement family, so my husband definitely understands too when I get called out. But even even with that level of understanding, like this past weekend we had a homicide on Saturday. I got woken up at six AM and that Which started. is early for Erin. She likes to sleep. <laughs> so in. early for me. <laughs> And I got up and I went out to that and I, I essentially, I got home around like 1030 or 11 o'clock at night. So I was gone all day and my husband works midnights now. So we don't have a lot of time off together. So this past weekend happened to be one of the weekends that we had off together and we could not spend it together because I was working. So even though, you know, even though he has a, a very thorough understanding of what it means to be you know, married to someone in forensics, it still impacts our family life, you know, pretty significantly from time to time. I mean, it's not as extreme now that I'm a manager as it was when I was a CSI getting called out all the time. Yeah. That's definitely, definitely get called out a lot less now and only to major stuff, but it definitely impacted a lot of stuff for me as a CSI. Yeah. I do remember like the, the early years or if like you move another to another agency, like now you're the lower man on the total pole again. Yeah. Um, 
and you have to sign up for all the damn holidays that no one else wants to work. Um, so for several years, you know, I was working like Thanksgiving over and over again or Christmas yep. over and over again. My um, husband got it this year. He's a brand new sergeant on the road. So he got Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year and Halloween. He got every, <laughs> every holiday. So, and that kind of goes with the territory too. But I will say like, for me, that was one of the reasons why I transitioned into being a latent print examiner after several years of doing that, because I was very burnt out. I was getting called out, you know, I think I got called out on Christmas Eve, like four consecutive years running for homicides. Cause you know, like, I mean, if you're in forensics, you know that crime goes up around the holidays. So you actually get busier. It doesn't slow down. So like four years running, I got called out on Christmas Eve and we always have a big family event on Christmas Eve. And I had to miss it because I was working every year. It started to frustrate me. So I started to look for an area of forensics where I could work eight to five Monday through Friday. And that was a lot of why I transitioned into latents out of crime. And there's a lot of areas of forensics where, you know, if you really love the science, you, you can, can go work in the lab and stuff. Yeah. Other areas or even like periods of time in your life. You know, I know there's a lot of like new moms out there who don't want to be on call while they have infants and toddlers. One of our girls uh, just had twins and she transitioned from forensics into the latent unit. She's a oh examiner and that works better for her family you know and sometimes the opposite happens you know people's kids move out and they have more time and freedom and so they don't mind being on call and stuff like that so yeah that was all that was all part of my uh transitional you know changing from crime scene to latents that was a, a large reason why i did that for sure yeah i had like my immediate family was very understanding because we grew up with it my dad works in the florida state park service so as long as I can remember, he was always on call and he always had the holidays. So like, it, you know, it was a regular thing where he would have to get called out on Christmas Eve or open the park on Christmas and stuff like that. But my extended family, like it was definitely guilt tripping. Like, can't yeah. you just, can't you just swing it? You know, can't you just come by? Like we lived in Orlando and my grandmother lived in um, New Smyrna Beach. So it's about, you know, like a two hour drive and even if i'm on call like that's too far away so i'm like no I, I can't make it and it was definitely a little bit harder with the extended family like definitely had the guilt trip going on but i will say like something that i have not experienced and i know other people may have gone through these hardships as well is like having kids and being on call especially when they get older like, I do remember, you know, my dad having to miss some of our, our practices or our, you know, our, our games or band concerts. Not all the time. He was, he was there for most of them. But there were definitely events where, you know, you just have to be understanding that, oh, you know, his job called and we, he can't be there. Like, I couldn't imagine right now having to sacrifice that with my own kids. Well, even like the getting up in the middle of something and leaving, you know, like, yep. um, I mean, birthdays, we, yeah, we don't have kids, but I can't imagine what it would be like to be at like your daughter's recital or something. And then to be like, mommy's got to leave. Like yep. kids don't understand that, you know? No. So that yeah, was I remember, you know, like it was a normal thing, but definitely growing up during those occasions, uh, it's like, I I'm understanding, but also like, damn, 
a little disappointed. So I, I do think that is something that's definitely hard for people to, to go through in this field. Um, it's definitely a sacrifice that you're making for your family. And that's why I strongly feel that if you're going to require your positions to be on call, they should be compensated because they are giving up a lot, even if they're not getting called out, like yeah. they're, they're tethered to their phone and they're constantly checking it and stuff like that. So, well, even you can't even go far on the weekends. I mean, my husband's a sergeant now, but he was a detective. So he, before he was a sergeant, so he was on call and I was on call and I've been on call for so long <laughs> that I just like live my life, you know, like they'll call me if they need me kind of thing, you know? And so I've never really like, like I'll still go out to eat. I'll go, I'll go see a movie, even though I could get called out in the middle of a movie. Like I'll still do all those kinds of things. And he like shuts down his world. Like, like we can't even go around the corner to the store because he might get called out. I remember being but, like that at the beginning. Yeah, a lot of people that are like that, like I yeah. can't, go anywhere I can't do anything because I'm on call and I have to sit here and wait all weekend I think that just takes you know time to get more seasoned where you're like you know what I'm just gonna do my thing and like not be ridiculous like drive two hours away but like yeah you can go to the grocery store and you can go to lunch and whatever you know definitely I remember at the very beginning I would basically not go anywhere yes <laughs> I was always expecting the worst. And then after you've been on call for so many years, you're like, well, I got to live my life. Like yeah. I got to maintain these friendships and, you know, relationships with my family and, you know, it is what it is. If they need me, they'll call and I'll be able to go and it's not going to be a big deal. But I think like not being able to be spontaneous too can affect you over a period of time. I mean, I know like if you have a partner that doesn't like to be spontaneous, maybe they're not like missing out on much, but I'm the partner that wants to be spontaneous. Yeah. So, like, you know, if I'm like, oh, you know, do we have enough coverage this weekend? Who do I need to contact if I want to leave and go somewhere, even if I'm not on call, even if I'm not on call, that's what like you truly don't understand until you live it, like how much it affects you. Because there are situations where it's like, well, I don't want to leave just what the one person that's on call by themselves for the entire county if something were to blow up. So you start like tabling your life <laughs> to yeah. help your coworkers out if something were to happen. Yeah, we talk about it in our, our supervisor class too, because I worked CSI back when we carried pagers. So I carried a pager, a phone and a pager. And then after several years of doing that, I transitioned to be a latent examiner. And I did not realize how stressful that was until I got rid of it. And when I got yeah. rid of it, it was like, oh my God, I had no idea how much that impacted me. Like those of you that are on call, you can hear that noise. <laughs> anywhere like you can hear that ringtone that you have for your call outs like out in a public place or something and that it sets you off immediately like it just it hits way down deep into your soul <laughs> yeah i remember actually it was like a we were talking about mental health but it was a police officer it was someone sworn and they're like yeah i started going to therapy and i was explaining to my therapist like when i hear that ringtone my stomach sinks my heart starts racing and I feel nauseous. And she's like, that's, you know, that's not normal, right? That's like anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't realize it. Like you said, like when I, whenever I finally turned in my on-call phone and gave my van back, 
like I did not understand how much an effect it had on me until I got rid of it. Yeah. And I even too, for a while, like when I transitioned over to latents and they, and the forensic team would get called out, I had that like FOMO for a little while where I was like, oh my gosh, I want to go with them. Like I miss doing all of those fun things. Yeah. And then they would be gone for like eight hours and they would come back filthy and sweaty while I had been sitting in the office drinking my iced coffee. And I was like, you know what? I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I don't miss those days. So I do like know that I've noticed some people that have family that's not as supportive. Yeah. Like if I got called out, my husband's not going to bother me. Like, you know, he'll, he knows, like, I will give him updates as I can as needed, but there are some people that have family or significant others or whatever that will like, they'll be upset number one. So they'll make them feel like they've done something wrong. And then they'll like constantly call them while they're on scene. And it's like, dude, (laughs) you realize I have to change my gloves every time I touch this phone. Exactly. And like, it's not that I blame that significant other. It definitely takes a certain amount of patience and tolerance to be married to someone that is in this field. Yeah, that is for sure. When I worked at the lab in um, Virginia, I had to explain to my husband, we had to lock our uh, cell phones outside the building. We weren't allowed to bring them into the building. So to check my text messages, I had to go through like five doors. Like I had to like disrobe out of a lab coat, take off my gloves, go through, you know, from the lab into the place where we kept our lab clothes into the main office outside the building to check my text messages. And he would be like, really, you haven't, you haven't texted back in like a couple hours. And like, you you don't understand. So that's. (laughs) Like, you don't understand it's not an easy thing, but that's what a lot of people are going through with uh, significant others when they disappear on a crime scene for seven hours. (laughs) You never hear from them. Are you alive? (laughs) They're working. They're doing gross stuff. They don't want to change their gloves right now to check their text messages. (laughs) And whether we like it or not, it does affect them too. Like, not just you not being there. I know, like, a lot of times I would call him and be like, what, waking him up. <laughs> and he also has work the next day or whatever. Waking him up and be like, listen, I was just on a nasty decomp and I need you to meet me in the garage. Like as I just, you know, with a new set of clothes or like whatever, like a garbage bag to put my nasty clothes in and boots and stuff. And he would help me decon. So like, it also affects them in that way too. <laughs> you stink, but I love you. Yeah. And then there's some, like, some people that love to be married to someone in this field because they just like hearing all of the stories. And I definitely had some family members like that, but my husband was not one of them. He's like, I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. (laughs) You're like, no, that's a hard pass for me. (laughs) I think it traumatized him a little bit. And I was like, oh, I really, he really does not like this. (laughs) (laughs) Buddy. I don't know. I don't share too many stories with Jason. Jason is a little squeamish as well. So if I a lot of those things, he's like, oh, it's so gross. I'm like, I didn't get to the gross part yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, until now, I just call Ashley. Yeah. <laughs> still always appreciate them. And like, we've determined this is kind of like a Florida thing. So maybe if you're in a different state, you're going to be like, what the hell? But 
and Florida, we also swap with a lot of penises. So, you know, he also had to be comfortable with me doing that to other men as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is taking a turn. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm just trying to cover all the bases. <laughs> True. <laughs> They're really not penises that you want to touch in any way. No. So he's really, really not. I remember some of the swabs being like green. <laughs> or like they haven't showered in like weeks and they'd be yeah. the swabs would be black and it's like <laughs> please get that away from me tuesday at the office <laughs> but yeah when we tell like stories people in other states are like you do what is that just us not you guys <laughs> at least we didn't have to be phlebotomists i mean there's some people that are drawing blood like that is not what I signed up for. I signed up for dead people, not living people. Like, mm, no. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. We we were surprised we went to a training class and they were they had trained their um, CSIs to do blood draws so their CSIs would respond on and take blood for DUIs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, thanks. That's a hard pass for me. I'll <laughs> be like, oh, yeah. okay. Dead people. Not for me. They were really excited about it, though. I don't know. Maybe we should give it a try. No, I don't. <laughs> I do like how some agencies have it set up. I mean, maybe I, I've never lived it, so who knows if I would actually like it. But I like the idea of having twenty four seven coverage, and you don't have any on call. It's yeah. for sometimes. Sometimes it eliminates your take home vehicle, so you kind of get that luxury taken away. But after being on call for so many years, I think I'd be okay. <laughs> Yeah, I like I the idea of being done at the end of your shift and not having to worry about, you know, being woken up in the middle of the night. So yeah. I like it. Or interrupted or like your plans derailed. I mean, there's still stuff that's going to derail your plans like court. And yeah. I mean, you had a depot today. I did. I sure did. Ashley and I talk about this too. And I mean, we talk a little bit about it in both of our classes, but we talk a lot about it in the supervisor class. Like we've talked about in this, some of the struggles of, you know, working in forensics and, you know, your family life, but as far as work-life balance, and you guys have probably heard us say this in some of these episodes as well, but it is really important to, because the job is going to take so much from you, you know, you're going to pour so much into it and you're going to get called out in your off time. And even if you're not a CSI, you know, even if you're working in a lab or you're working in lanes or whatever it is, you're still going to get called in, in your off time. You know, they don't care that Monday's your day off if that's the day they need you for court. And then you will sit there all day at the courthouse waiting to be called. And then they'll be like, oh, sorry, we need you tomorrow. And you will have <laughs> your whole entire day off sitting at the courthouse waiting to testify because that that is our life so it really doesn't matter what discipline like what discipline you're in it will happen to you but it's really really vital to make your personal time your own like yeah. i know so many people we've talked about this in some of these other episodes so many people that like take home reports because they got to get caught up or come in early yeah they stay late they're checking emails the second that they wake up in the morning before they even get into work they watch the cad screen and the call screen and they're off time like waiting for calls to happen just just put it down put it away it'll it'll all be there tomorrow and you know you taking your work home today to do reports today and your off time to get caught up it's just that is something that you can control you yeah. can control like getting called out or having to go to court so hopefully that your family can understand that 
but what will frustrate them is like you're sacrificing that and then you're also like giving time away for free and you're distracted you're like checking the call screen like she said or checking your email and it's like you could be spending that energy and that like time like geared towards yourself or towards your family like don't that time is precious because like we mentioned before you just don't know when you're going to be called into work so do not give it up um in a way give it away for the job yeah i think at this point in my career i believe that doing stuff like that is a short-term solution like bringing work home to type reports so that you can get caught up in the office like i genuinely believe in my heart will never be caught up yeah. <laughs> like deep down and, and honestly that took me, job security so like took me years to embrace. <laughs> yeah. years and years and years to embrace that like i can kill myself trying to get to the bottom of my piles and even if i do even if i killed myself to get to the bottom of my piles tomorrow there'll be more piles yeah. so taking your work home and trying to get caught up in like we've said many times before don't get us wrong sometimes things happen where you have to stay late you have to work hard you have to push through we get that don't do it all the time. Don't do it every single day. Don't do it every single weekend you're taking home reports. It's fine. The emails can wait. You do not have to check them the second your eyes pop open in the morning. Exactly. It's in the office. Oh, so your your time is valuable. Your time with your family is valuable. Use that time. Spend the time with your family and, and leave work alone. But um, something that I also, <clears throat> I think I heard it on a podcast or read about it somewhere. You can get very frustrated or worked up or very affected by a case. And if you do have a partner like my husband that doesn't like to hear that stuff or you don't want to bring all this negative, like I felt like sometimes I would just constantly be coming home and immediately just like start unloading on him. So what they suggest is to find some type of landmark on your way home and allow yourself to like just vent and scream or like pump up the music or whatever. And then once you hit this landmark on the way home, then you like shut it off. And that way, um, whenever you go into your home, you enter your home, you're not bringing all of that negative pent up energy to your household. I thought that was good advice. So as far as affecting your life, I think we've said a lot last week when we talked about burnouts, because that can definitely affect a lot of things. I think one of them too is just like your health in general and your mood. Yeah, for sure. Um, I know at one point, it just depended if what shift I was working or who had what days off, but I did get into a good rhythm whenever I worked night shift and I had friends that were like, they really got into running and I got into running and I was like working out a lot. And then there were times where it was really hard to fit in a workout on this particular shift. And it would have been nice to be able to, and we've talked about it before too, to like work out on shift. Yep. And I even think too, I think as a CSI, you're a lot more active than you are in the other disciplines. And so when I transferred over to Layton's and you sit there all day long, and a lot of the disciplines are like that, where you're, you're sitting there all day, but you're engaging, like you're, you are so focused and the, the detail work that you're doing is so heavy. By the time I would get home from a job like that, I was 
exhausted. And I know it sounds ridiculous to think like you sat there all day. Why are you coming home exhausted? But like, just you don't know until you've done it. And it's just like, completely mentally drained. And I didn't even realize like how big of a transition that would be with going from forensics or like crime scene to latents because crime scene was so active. You were always up and about doing stuff and outworking scenes and stuff like that. And then transmission to a job where you're sitting there for like eight or 10 hours. So, you know, being conscious of your health in that too is, it can be very challenging for sure. The working hard, the odd hours can be very challenging. Like I know a lot of night shift people, you know, you can't go to the grocery store and grab a salad in the middle of the night. Like the only stuff that's open is like shit places to eat. So you really have to be on top of like food preparation and all of that stuff. If you're going to, you know, try to maintain healthy habits while you're, um, you know, while you're working midnights. So that's very hard. And it jacks up your whole sleep schedule, which is, I mean, I'm more aware of it now and like, I actually care about it, but in my twenties, like if I had night shifts, I was not concerned about my vitamin D levels, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but it's a real thing. It's a real issue. Yeah. I literally, I mean, I worked, um, 6 PM to 6 AM for a couple of years. So I would get home and I, I would go to sleep at like eight in the morning and then I would probably get up around like whatever, four, three thirty, four to go to work. But my body knew that it was the middle of the day and it would wake me up every day at like 1130, 12 o'clock. I'd be like, oh, like trying to get back to sleep. And even like some of you guys might have this too. Like my supervisor, when I worked there, he worked day shifts. So he would have meetings with all of the supervisors that he supervised in the middle of the day. So all of those of us that were working night shift, like he would call a meeting at like noon or one o'clock. So you'd sleep for a few hours, you'd get up, come into the office for the one o'clock meeting, go home, like sleep for an hour, come back to work. Some of you guys might even have to deal with that. <laughs> and even, even those I, kinds of sleep patterns with your spouse are, are so uh, hard. That's so, so hard when you're working, like literally like my husband and I right now, like we, we're like, passing in the night like bye see you next week he's working midnights and I'm working days and that really like that can really take a toll on your relationship like I think for he and I because we're in law enforcement and we like we really understand that schedule and how all that works and whatever you know and like I have no question like what he's doing in the middle of the night I feel like some you know some spouses are Maybe probably issues yeah yes you know <laughs> but even that kind of stuff can have a lot of impact on your family and your marriage like if like we don't have kids but if we had kids right now i would be the primary a single mom yeah like a single mom yeah because he would literally be sleeping during the day and working at night and i would be the one that would have to maintain the house and everything with the kids and all of that which some of you guys probably do and that's a challenge in itself too so speaking of like lack of sleep and like driving so i know we've talked this talked about this as well but i think this is an interesting thing to bring up that i think some people kind of don't think about or neglected a little bit is I don't agree with for crime scene. I don't know how it is for other forensics units where you just like keep working until you, you know, the, the scene is done, but like sometimes it'd be 36 hours and you're, you're up that entire time. And hopefully you, you got woken up, but you may have also like completed an eight hour shift. So like 
that now you're at 48 hours. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I think it's so it's dangerous. dangerous. Super dangerous. I think I actually read somewhere. So if you're up for 24 hours, if you like, you know, even students, if you're studying for like, and you're up for a full 24 hours, they say that driving after that is like driving under the influence of a blood alcohol level of 0.1. And this is just a normal thing. I think anybody who's been a CSI for a minute has driven home from a scene, like blasting their air and smacking themselves in the face with the windows rolled down, like trying to stay awake on the way home. Like that's not an- Why is that a thing? Like yeah, why are we doing that? That's not an uncommon story that I've heard. I think that old school um, mentality of like suck it up buttercup, like we just push through till it's done. I think that's starting to die because people are seeing the impact of that. As a supervisor now, I would be a lot more conscious of those types of things. And I try to rotate people out of scenes like, you know, you can go ahead and go home. Like, we don't need you here anymore. You've already been here, whatever. Like, we'll bring in someone fresh. Just trying to be conscious of that kind of stuff because there is no reason why and and we're not doing good work after we've been awake for 24 hours, you know, we, you're, you're forgetting stuff or you're getting fatigued. Like I remember working those scenes and I'm like, please don't find one more piece of evidence. I can't yeah, do I'll it. Cry. Like, I'll literally cry if you find one. I will more. literally cry right now if you tell me <laughs> to dust one more counter. Like, I can't. <laughs> Well, and two, it always happens like a homicide. The homicide guys, they go home and sleep. You know? And then they come back so out like, and they're like, yeah, they, they find they this other list fresh. of shit for you to do. And you're like, Bleh. They come out fresh in the morning and they're like, did anybody see that there? And you're like, oh, God, no. <laughs> yeah, we're not doing our best work. Like, and it's super dangerous if you actually care about your personnel. Like, I don't care if you have to hold the scene or if you have to get mutual aid from a different county or a different police department, like you have to do right by your people. And some of them will like, you'll have to like push them out the door and be like, no, you need to go home and get some sleep. But I think that's the right thing to do. You don't want them to drive agency vehicles when, you know, there was times where I'm like, I don't even know how I got home. Yeah. You know, like the, the blasting of the air and turning up the music didn't even work because like, I don't even know how I got home. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. You know, as a forensic person you don't want to when you're out working a major scene or something like that like you don't want to take a break you just want to push through and be there for the team the whole time it's not necessary if we're going to be here for 16 hours y'all can sit down for 45 minutes in the air conditioning and eat a snack you know yes so um we try to you know as supervisors try to make people like Go drink some water. Sit in the air conditioning. Sometimes that should be the function of the supervisor on scene. <laughs> yes, like, you're not there to work the scene. You're there to make sure that your people have what they need. And if they need a damn break, then that's what they need. And then I'm trying to think of like other effects that the job can have on you. Like you mentioned before, I think it's dying out, but it's still prevalent where this mentality, like the agency owns you, and it's like, uh, like that needs to also go away. <laughs> Yeah, like, don't get us wrong. Like, we're they, workaholics. We yeah. love the job. We, we do love, love to work. Yeah. And yeah. they can call you out. I mean, they could call me out right now and I'd be like, bye guys, I gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> but you do still, like, we see a lot of people that 
that will never take a day off. You know, they, they're banking all their time for whatever, some magical vacation that's going to happen 20 years from now. There's so <laughs> many examples of like officers and people that retire and they retire and they have no idea like how much stress their body was on and then their body releases it all. And you hear stories about them, like having heart attacks and stuff like two weeks out into retirement where they had all these huge plans and uh, they never did anything because they were waiting till retirement and then they pass away and they don't even get the chance to enjoy that life that they spent so, so much time, you know, pouring into work so that they could enjoy their retirement. Like none of us, our retirements are not guaranteed, not for all of us, you know, like yeah, I hate to be that guy. But all of us won't make it there. So live your life while you can because you don't know what's going to happen. So take a day off, take a vacation, go whatever, take the afternoon to see a show, take a mental health day. Like it's, it's all good. You have, you work hard. So use that time, use that time and spend a little me time. Go get a massage. Yes. All the things. Like you mentioned before, as far as like having a healthy work-life balance, if you're always like, look, I can't, can't go to that wedding. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's like, hold up. Is it truly that you can't, or you feel guilty that you want to take vacation or you, you feel like you need to devote your entire life to this job? Like why, why can't you? And I do, I still do. I still literally. Okay. So Saturday, my whole day, I spent my whole day doing that homicide, got up at six, got home at 11. So what is that? That's 17 hours, 17 hours I worked that scene. So I don't make, I don't make overtime at my level. I just eat any extra hours that I worked. But I asked my captain if I could flex Saturday and take off Monday. Oh my gosh. Like, and he could care less. He was like, yeah, sure. No problem. He saw me out there. He knew I was working. But me, I was like, oh, I feel so, like such a horrible yeah. person, like asking to take that time off instead of just eating the time. But like we had plans for the weekend for like projects that we were going to get knocked out in the house and we didn't do that. And so even though it made me feel guilty, I still asked to do it and it was good. But I've definitely felt that too, where it's like, yeah. I, I want to ask and I'm about to. And then sometimes I, I would just chicken out. Yeah. And not ask. Um, but after like so many years, I'm like, okay, I like actually you just need to suck it up and just ask. And yeah. it's usually like there wasn't any issue, but you, for whatever reason, I think, I don't know. I wouldn't say it's like supervision. I sometimes it's like coworkers where, you know, someone else asked off and you hear like all this coworker chatter, like, oh, can you believe her? Like just leaving us with only two people here today, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, then I don't want to ask off next time because I'm going to be the person they're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I, I do still feel guilty about it sometimes, but you got to, you got to do it. So hopefully this was helpful. If you guys are going through things, if you wanted to run something by us um, based off of our own experiences, we would be happy to answer any of your questions in a private DM. Alright guys, we'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for being here and listening to Forensics Unfiltered. If you liked this episode, would you do us a favor and leave a review letting us know specifically what you liked about this topic? 
It will only take a minute, but it will really help us plan future episodes so we can bring you more topics that you want to listen to. We'll be sure to provide any links from today's episode in our show notes on our website. Head to www.gapscience.com. Until next time, stay safe out there.